0: Well, they taught us that no one has to touch you if you don't want them to, and that you don't have to, like, if your grandparents come, you don't have to kiss them or give them a hug unless you want to. If someone tries to touch you and you don't want them to, and you say no and they are doing it, you know who who can help you, your mom, dad, teacher, and doctor.
1: You know it's really important for your children to know what to say and where to go for help if someone is mistreating them and their body this is focus on the family and we're tackling a difficult subject today protecting your children the conversation you're about to hear received some of the highest response from our listeners last year and that's why we're coming back to this unfortunately this topic has to be addressed and one listener told us They've often looked for resources to protect their children from sexual abuse. They found this program that you're about to hear to be an answer to prayer on a subject they said is rarely addressed by the Christian community. Obviously, this isn't appropriate for younger children, but you as a parent are going to find a lot of help in this discussion. I'm John Fuller, and here's how the broadcast began with your host, Focus President and author, Jim Daly.
2: Uh, John, the statistics on sexual abuse are heartbreaking with one in four girls. And I know this varies by different studies, but generally this holds. One in four girls and one in six boys are abused. And we don't uh, want your children to become one of those statistics. Uh, Today, we're going to empower you as a parent or maybe a grandparent um, to know how to talk to your young children about the wonders of the human body, the good things that God has Mm -hmm. created Uh, but we want to do that in the context of safe and healthy relationships and how you can teach your children about sexual abuse in an age-appropriate way. Obviously, in the culture today, this is a very important topic, and I think children need to have a biblical understanding of what God has done, which is a good thing, and then how to um, you know, control those appetites and really uh, be in control of your own body. And that's what we're going to speak to today, and we're going to speak specifically to how to do that
1: in the lives of little children. Yeah, you're going to be empowered to help your kid feel equipped to deal with uh, any potential issues. Uh, We've invited, as I said, Justin and Lindsay Holcomb. Uh, Justin has a doctorate. He's a minister and a professor of theology at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. And uh, Lindsay's busy. She's a first-grade teacher and counsels victims of sexual assault and domestic violence. And uh, together they started R.E.S.T., which is Real Escape from the Sex Trade, uh, an organization Uh, devoted to that great endeavor. And the Holcombs have also written a book uh, called God Made All of Me. And my understanding is uh, you wrote it for your two daughters.
3: That's true. We have daughters, and when they were a little bit younger, they're seven and nine, when they were a little bit younger, we were looking for a book that would be both Christian content and really good illustrations that would get to the Hmm. practical issues on that. And so we decided that we couldn't find the book, so we decided to make it.
2: Uh, Justin and Lindsay, um, we hear about this topic quite often now uh, because I think because of the prolific nature of it. Mm. Um, If you're in a family that's safe, you probably don't come across this. But many families encounter this. I was stunned to read that about 90% of abuse of this nature comes from someone in the family or close to the family. It's not stranger danger. I know I taught my boys that and Gene and I, stranger danger. But when you look at the statistics, it's only about 10% that are stranger
3: related. Most of it is people that kids will know. Is that right? That is very important for everyone to understand because if you think it's only strangers, you'll give yourself a false sense of security. And the stats that we have are about 34% are family members and the other 58% are acquaintances. So it's more likely that a child will be sexually abused by a grown-up, an adult that's trusted and known by the child. That leaves about 7 to 10% that are strangers. So knowing who you're defending against is really important this is a great book. I
2: wish it was around when my boys were younger. God made all of me. Uh, Let's go there. Um, I mentioned a a moment ago the alarming stat about the number of boys and girls who are impacted by sexual abuse. Uh, But give us more of that overview of the problem. Parents often um, aren't equipped to talk to their kids. Why? Why?
4: Well that was one of the motivations when we wrote the book. We found a lot of our friends were not having the conversation with their children because they felt awkward. Um, They didn't want to cause fear in their children. And a lot of our friends, their children were 10, 13, and they're thinking, oh, goodness, so much time has passed by. How do I start now? And so, of course, this book is written primarily for the two to eight-year-old age range. But we told them, you know, if you have a child that is older, start with the book, and then it could be a good launching pad for more conversations. Um, But primarily the thing we want parents to know is you're not going to mess up with the conversation, but don't try and sit down and have like an hour long talk, you know, but, build but convince a foundation. me of that
2: because I'm nervous. I'm, I'm yeah, going well, back. I want to, I want to so,
1: talk about this and get it done with.
2: Right. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm in that spot where I'm kind of nervous. I don't believe what you just said, if I could sure. be that bold. So tell me how I cannot mess it up. Seriously, I could mess this up. You don't know me. I might say something stupid <laughs> well, and my kids might think I'm saying something stupid.
4: I think we have done that. That's where grace bounds but <laughs> with um with building a foundation with our girls we've talked to them about their bodies since they were we little ones. Even which is important. In, infants. infants. You know, when I was yeah. changing their diaper, I would say, you know, now I'm, you know, I would name their body parts, which is really important. Um, of course, you know, this isn't something we do all day long. Correct. We don't We don't, you know. The
2: appropriate time. Yes, nice and, and
4: building that foundation briefly. And so naming their body parts, or we're getting in the tub and this is something that mommy and daddy help you with, of cleaning in the tub, or who sees your private parts? The doctor when mom and dad are present. Um, or if I'm helping you on the toilet or in the bathtub. Other than that, this is body, And so it's all about giving control back to the child, uh, which is what sexual abuse does is it takes away the control. But for a parent, it's building a slow foundation. And no child wants an hour-long conversation or even 20 minutes. They zone out on anything.
2: Seems like the older they get, the less discussion they want. They want less and less. So that's
4: why it's important when they're little, you're slowly building that foundation. And one, it builds a trust so that if something does happen or if they're exposed to something or they have a question, they're going to know mom and dad, they're safe,
3: if I can go back real quick to something that Lindsay taught me on how to talk about this with our children was give them a little chunk and let them ask questions, follow their lead, follow yeah. their questions. That So that helps demystify it for parents is you don't have to have everything lined up perfectly and know exactly your five points you're going to say. Just give the big picture, God made your body and all of it in these body parts and then let them ask questions and answer to their level of, of, of query and yeah. see what happens. And there. that's great
2: advice. And it is a nervous area of parenting it's probably the most complicated or at least we make it that way Uh, Justin um, specifically for you this isn't coming out of a vacuum you experienced this uh, that I know has to be hard to talk about but I'm glad and grateful for your boldness because that also has to be said and so you've had the experience describe briefly what took place just to give us a perspective and I love that attitude that you know our pain often drives our passion so I'm sure that's part of your story. Yeah, uh, but what happened?
3: I was about ten. I'm not exactly sure how old I was. So around ten, and it was an extended family member, a male, who participated in inappropriate touching and requested the same type of touching done to him. So that that was taking place only during some visits. So it was they were isolated in maybe three or four times but I had really good parents. So they had the lines of communication Christian parents. Christian parents. They yeah. were converted during the 70s Jesus movement. Mm. Right. So I, can, I love you know, them already. So my parents are Christians, were involved in church, and because of their past and they had a really strong sense of the grace of God. Yeah. And that the grace of God is for everything, all the way down from, you know, head to toe, top to bottom. It's all creation, everything needs to be influenced by the grace of God, every experience. So they didn't do shame like right. when we talked about, you know, how babies are made, it wasn't awkward. It wasn't weird. My dad's an artist. He was drawing body part pictures of like whole bodies, not just body parts. But <laughs> uh, So the lines of communication were open. Uh, thankfully, because of God's grace, it didn't affect me as much as it could have. Sure. And I can't explain why it didn't
2: but let me much. Let me ask you this. To the benefit of the parents, it's not to indulge the details of this at all. But w- as that little boy, what were some of those thoughts that you can remember about why is this right? What were some of those things that ran through your head that that instinctively, even as a ten year old boy, you kind of had questions about
3: I was really curious, so that was the first thing, and one of the things that I knew my curiosity wasn't a bad thing. I knew wondering and being curious was okay, but I was curious. that was going through my head. I thought maybe I wanted it or asked for it in some way. I thought I did something, so I thought I was the reason that it happened
2: and that's almost universal isn't it that's very typical in this isn't it Lindsay oh yes yeah
3: almost all children think that they were to blame for it either because of just their curiosity muddies the water form and they think okay I was curious I guess I wanted that but also because frequently perpetrators will tell them I did this because you did this or you said this or or the worst we've heard is dirty things happen to dirty kids and to have a, imagine a little kid who already feels isolated and being told by someone dirty things happen to dirty kids. That's bestowing an identity to Absolutely. that kid that the gospel has to undo. Right. Um, and that's where the real power and sting of this sin and crime is the long-term effects that it does to children. So it's
2: magnified for the victim. I mean, it's that's what's sad.
3: unbelievable. I mean, it, it gets in between how they view themselves, how they view other people, and how they view God. So they yeah. feel isolated and, and shamed. And that was the one thing that I did feel was kind of dirty and shame. Do you feel, I mean,
2: I see the emotion. I, I'm hearing the emotion in your voice. Do you feel like uh, over all these years now, you've you've got an, a healthier grip on this? You, you seem to, but obviously the pain is still there.
3: Yeah. Well, the uh, thankfully being married to a a good wife who, <laughs> that always who, who's helps, who's <laughs> an expert on this, who, who knows how to, you know, I remember when we were dating, uh, I told her just various stories and I remember her kindness then and just saying, Hey, that's, you know, and just her response. So that, yeah. that's really, well, again, powerful, wasn't right? shaming, They're not even close to yeah. it. Yeah. It was the opposite. And, you know, we've done this stuff because of personal. Um, and we said personal, professional, and pastoral. Everyone thought when we said personal, it was Lindsay because uh, we didn't, we weren't clear in some of our previous things that we've written about my personal story. But then when you have, you know, being a pastor, this is just par for the course of just regular conversations with people where people are coming to me saying, hey, I think I've heard you mention this in the sermon. I think I can tell you about this. So just the stories that you hear. I mean, we hear horror stories. And then professionally, Lindsay was a case manager at a, you know, abuse crisis center. So when we were dating, this I mean, all came together, all three of those professionally, personally, and pastorally.
2: Um, this really is for both of you. Um, start with that younger child. Let's just, the two of you can just talk about it with me. Uh, as if I were a young dad, <laughs> oh, I wish. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to counsel me? You know, I come to you, my wife's here. Hey, Gene, here we are. You're the pastor. And, you know, we've got kind of an issue. We've got a three year old. We're not sure what we need to say. There might be some behavior there that's concerning us. What do you say to me as mom and dad?
4: Well, one thing um, that I would start with, I'd say, I'm really glad you're asking this question. And just to convince you that this is important, um, Justin and I realized early on, we're like, gosh, as parents, we teach our kids water safety. We teach them safety around the stove. We teach them safety. Don't touch the outlets, you know, and what to do in the event of X, Y, and Z if there's a fire. And so, but this is a topic that we don't necessarily or, you know, automatically teach children.
2: Speak to the parent right there sure convince me tell me why you need to consider this just like a flame on the stove or something else it's that practical
4: sure I think the main thing is anything you can do to help your child have tools about body safety body protection tools for you to talk with them one makes it not awkward Two is preventative and I know that you would want that for your child you want to set them up with the most success that they can live their life with control over their body good and safe boundaries, and just to feel empowered in that sense. That's your job as a parent.
2: And then with the child, give me two or three practical quick, you know, examples of things I can continue to say to them. I like the swimsuit diagram or discussion. You know, that anything under the swimsuit is for you and private.
4: Well, the swimsuit analogy is really a good starting point, but don't stop there because a perpetrator can touch other parts of their body that might make the child feel uncomfortable. That's good. You don't want them to think, well, they're touching my thigh or my back. So that's okay. Or I worked with a three-year-old who was kissed by their uncle, but yet that didn't fall in the bathing suit category. And so you want to take it that your whole body is yours. Um, but you can start with the swimsuit analogy. That's really good, but take it further. Um,
3: well, that, and this is the private parts conversation. So, I mean, let's, this is what we always tell. And people come over to our house for dinner. So we actually have these conversations. Right? <laughs> these up are your with, dinner conversations, this is, huh? Dinner that's party. That's amazing. So, <laughs> so, well, people say, hey, I got a quick question. Can I ask you Well, that's quick? good, though. Well, no, I love it. Bless them for doing so, so you said if you're the young parent, we would say, well, um, you have to have a conversation with your children about private parts. Well, you know, God made all of you, but especially private parts. And you need to what, name
4: the private parts.
3: Naming the proper names for private parts. Right. And there's a whole Medical reason names. for that. The, the proper names, yeah.
2: Now, some can disagree with that, but why is that so critical?
3: Well, what you don't want to do is turn their private parts into uh, – give them just nicknames. And we're not saying only use private part – or proper names for private parts all the time like you're a doctor – But if you only use nicknames, it can turn private parts into playthings. And that's what a perpetrator, the purpose is to prevent against a perpetrator. Because a perpetrator will say, oh, what about this? And use a a playful nickname thing. It also doesn't bestow dignity to everything that God created. I mean, this is my elbow. And this is my nose. This is what it is. It's just being matter of fact. Correct. So it's not trying to... Demystifying. Yeah, it demystifies it. And also because if a child is touched inappropriately, they're going to need to be able to report or say what happened and where, just matter of factly. So it's just for the sake of reporting, police officers and those who are doing investigation would love it if children knew the proper names. And there are children who have never heard the proper names until they're like teenagers and they got the awkward talk at 15 Mm -hmm. about, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff they already knew from, you know, 10 years ago.
2: Let me ask you about the um, suspicion, you know, the parents that think maybe something's different now our daughter or our son is more in tune with those private areas than they should be right now. How do you begin to uh, discuss that with your child in such a way that it's productive and that you begin to uncover some impropriety?
4: Well, I would tell, I mean, I've had some parents that ask me, they say, you know, when their child's around five or six, you know, they're really curious. And I say, well, on one level, that's Healthy sexual development. Like, they are curious about their bodies. Um, they do want to know a lot. They have a lot of baby questions around that age. So, parents can go online and look up what's healthy sexual development. Like, what are certain things that kids at age five versus eight or ten that they're going to be noticing or aware of? Um, but if a parent starts to notice changes in their child apart from their normal behavior, that might be something where they want to either start asking them, you know, why are you doing these things or what's causing this but hopefully they have a foundation built where they're able to have those conversations um
2: but if not i mean you don't want to hold back as a parent even if you haven't done that job don't if something in your gut is telling you there's something off pursue it wouldn't you agree
4: i always say follow your gut for sure never deny that we're
3: pretty i mean when you get the questions that's a great entryway point to the conversation in general of just body parts, got what God made. So their curiosity, you know, puts the question on the table to talk about this. But the other thing that we've done regularly is if the girl's have a question, Lindsay will pursue it and say, okay, no, she'll answer the question. But also uh, we'll just ask straight up, you know, do you feel comfortable with that person? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you like it when that babysitter is with you? Do they ever talk to you about stuff that's inappropriate? Have they ever touched you? So we just ask point blank. That's normal. That's what we did as well. It's normal for our kids. And we don't do it every single time. We don't want to instill fear in them to think that everyone is a sneaky person, but we want them to be aware that... Everyone's potentially one.
2: It's such a balance. Give us also some tools. And again, the book is great in this area. You can just read it. If you're uncomfortable, this resource is terrific because it will allow you to simply read it with your child. Well, that's
3: actually the purpose, <laughs> what we did on the book, and we've got, we had, the minor criticism we get is that it's actually a, a story about a family having the conversation. Yeah. And it's not, it's Which not, is brilliant. it's not dazzlingly with like really neat animals and, right. you know, things that would be really just capture kids' imagination. It's a story about a family doing the conversation so you're actually kind of you're having the conversation with your children but it's an indirect way to do it which is
2: much more comfortable that's what i love about it god made all of me but i want to also encourage uh the parents to be on alert and have that vigilance so what are some of those things external to the child's behavior so we dealt with that But when you're looking at environment and you're looking at babysitters and you're looking at extended family members and all those kinds of things, it sounds horrible that you as a parent would even have to have that in the back of your mind. But what are some of those cueing things, again, not related to your child's behavior, but just knowing the family or the neighbors well enough, what are some things you can be alert to that if you're not could pose danger?
3: One for me is if someone cannot pay attention to and respect boundaries that are given, that's a huge red flag for me. So if you say to the family members, hey, like, you know, there's no reason to close the doors. And our girls know when kids come over, they don't close the doors. So if a family member had to – felt that need to violate that basic boundary of shutting the doors or if the neighbor did that, uh, that would be significant to me of why we don't need to have the doors shut and we don't need to have secrets Uh, Those are important ones for me.
4: Well, one scenario I heard from a good friend was um, her stepfather was trying to isolate the child. Like, will you come down in the basement and play with me? And so getting the child away from all other family members and that where I said, that's a huge... Red flag, um, because there's no reason why they need to be down in the basement playing. Of course, you know we don't need to walk around with fear for every person, but why can't they play upstairs with everybody? Or you march right on down there, mom, and you join the group. So, anytime they're wanting to isolate a child or. Um, really single out a child with gifts and with toys and treasures to try and win their trust in a different way, I think is a big big red flag for sure.
2: Lindsay and Justin, let's uh, end here because uh, one, we're out of time, unfortunately, but this resource is going to be available. So if you're living this, it's time to pick this up and make Mm -hmm. sure it's in your toolbox. But as Christian parents particularly, how do we not live in fear and be able to communicate to our children that... We want you to have a full, wonderful life, and not be that mom that's so panicked, Lindsay. If Mm -hmm. I can be that bold, sure. You know, honey, don't go over there. Don't, don't get an ice cream there. Don't do this. Don't talk to that person. I mean, you can uh, overreact to some of this too, right?
4: Absolutely. I don't want anybody to walk around paranoid, but I feel pretty confident. As we've been building a foundation with our girls, even though they're only seven and almost nine, that they are going to tell us things and that we have that level of trust of back and forth conversation that if something, God forbid, happens, we'll address it and I'll tell them, I believe you and we're going to look at all the options of ways that we can get help. Um, but I feel like we've built a foundation that they feel very empowered about their body. And I feel empowered as a parent, that if I were going to take them to a play date or wherever, that I'm going to feel confident to ask, who's here? What grownups are here? Even going to church, I think there's a lot of ways we assume as Christians that things have been taken care of with background checks and who's in charge of our children. But as a parent, I have that right to ask, who's taking my child to the bathroom? And so on one level, my child is empowered, but I also feel the confidence to to speak up and ask, you know, who are they around? I
2: appreciate that. Don't be intimidated by protecting your child. Sure. I mean, that thats sounds simple, but for many parents, that's hard.
3: And going back to the uh, why not to be fearful and paralyzed in fear, um, one is that God's plan for how he made bodies was to multiply and have dominion, going back to Genesis. And what was required for that was uh, marital intimacy, For to the very call that God gave Adam and Eve, multiply mm. and have dominion. And the only way you can do that until uh, evangelism in Matthew 28— is procreation. And so God makes this, and then it gets distorted by Satan in the fall. And then, but he's about redeeming what's been distorted. And God is and will redeem as his creation. He cares more than we do. He cares about our children more than we do. And the other thing that's just encouraging practically is that the children who are the most protected are the ones that have caregivers who actually empower them. If you do three or four of the basic things that we've talked about, it sets up a uh, guard against it. So it's not a foolproof. It's not a silver bullet. It's going to take care of the problem. But one of the best thing you can do is actually have basic lines of communication open yeah. and the, the confidence you can have of what that type of protecting your child and equipping them is actually very, very effective. It's one of the yeah. most effective things you can actually do.
2: Well, I so appreciate this. And uh, Justin and Lindsay, a great discussion really. And I'm glad we've kind of uh, pulled the veil back a bit to talk and equip parents to be able to be comfortable, hopefully more comfortable, in having this discussion. And again, uh, your book is a great resource for all parents. God made all of me. And thank you so much
1: for being with us.
3: Thank you for the opportunity to be here and talk about such an important dark subject and shining a
1: light on it. Amen. Well, thanks so much for shedding light uh, on a challenging topic. And It might be that today's conversation has triggered some past abuse in your life and that you need someone to talk to. If that's the case, let me encourage you to find a counselor or a pastor in your local area to talk with. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening. I'm John Fuller.
0: I hope that you were enlightened today and that our guests have given you insight as to how to move forward with this subject in your own home. What I loved about the conversation with Justin and Lindsay is that they offered some really practical advice on how we can speak to our children and validate that God made our bodies good and there should be no shame. But if you feel that you need help in broaching these conversations with your children, you'll enjoy Justin and Lindsay's book, God Made All of Me. It's a simply told, beautifully illustrated story to help families talk about these sensitive issues with two to eight-year-old children. And it allows families to build a first line of defense against sexual abuse in the safety of their own homes. God Made All of Me is available online at safamily.co.za or when you call us on 031-716-3300. As a ministry, Focus on the Family is committed to seeing thriving families in our nation. And I want to ask if you'd like to help support us in our mission by becoming a financial partner with Focus on the Family Africa today. For your monthly gift of 100 Rand or more, we'll send you a complimentary copy of our most recently launched book, Parenting World Changes. Written by Mandy Hart, this book covers a wide range of topics like peer pressure, gender conversations, online addiction, money, anxiety, and the search for identity. These are just some of the challenges our children face today. This resource is going to help equip parents as they raise children to change the world. To take advantage of this limited gift offer, call us on 031-716-3300 or email donor at fotf.co.za or simply visit our website donate page at safamily.co.za and sign up as a monthly partner. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you to tune in next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.